Welcome to Day 211 of Shape by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matt Kresge and Katie Kresge as we continue our journey uh, through the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospels are always uh, rich and deeply rewarding as we look at the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, and, and the call of Jesus. So uh, we left you uh, last Friday with one of the more serious calls to discipleship, uh, you know, in Mark chapter 8 where Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And then he looks at the disciples and says, some of you here will not die before you see the kingdom come in power. And that leads us to one of the most uh, important, uh, pivotal points in, in, in Mark's gospel is they see Jesus for who he is and are unable to process exactly what he's teaching them and where he's taking them and the call that he has on their lives. So as we continue in the Gospel of Mark, let's uh, continue as always uh, to offer ourselves and offer the moment uh, to the Lord. Katie, do you mind leading Mm -hmm. us in prayer? Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment that we have um, together as your people reading your word. Um, And would it be just as paul said enriching and even more than that transforming um that you your spirit would would change us change our hearts um mold us to look more like jesus um and god would would this time together be meaningful and not just something that we get to check off our list of to-dos today but um that we would know that you are meeting us here. So would you, um, as you always are faithful to do, meet us here and um, do a work in us that we could never even imagine. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. What an invitation, you know, to come before Christ and to see his face through Scripture. Uh, Beginning uh, in verse 1 of chapter 9, which is actually a continuation of chapter 8, it says, And he said to them, Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. And a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with him except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. He kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd gathered around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with him about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought uh, you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. 
Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes its teeth, and becomes rigid. Ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It is often thrown into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So you kind of have a high and a low uh, for the disciples. Yeah. Uh, one, seeing Jesus transformed, and seeing Elijah and Moses you know, before their very eyes, a holy moment on the mountain. Peter wants to enshrine the moment forever. Let's just build three houses here and stay here forever. And then they come back down on the mountain to very real life, very real encounter uh, to a a man whose son has been possessed by an evil spirit or an impure spirit for all of these years. It's uh, greatly crippled his life, has even threatened his life. And the disciples have been given authority over you know over impure spirits, but in this particular instance, they're they're to no effect. And I love the line in this where the father says, "I I brought him to you." When he actually brought the you know the disciple you know the the young boy to the disciples, uh, recognizing you know that they shared Jesus' authority and they were mm-hmm. with you know they were with Jesus, but here they're ineffective and you kind of see, you know, a, a little bit of shift where, you know, Jesus is pointing them toward the cross and they're resisting the cross and so there's a bit, little bit of a fracture in the relationship, mm-hmm. and so he ends the whole thing by saying you guys need to go back to prayer mm-hmm. which is, is kind of fun because the only place we've seen that in mark is when jesus goes alone to be with the father and uh, he may be telling his disciples you need to get by yourselves mm-hmm. get away from the world mm-hmm. and, and be with the father and to be a little bit recalibrated and how you're thinking about messiah and how you're thinking about me man that is like so convicting to me like yeah. we we can get to that point in ministry or whatever we do where we aren't nearly as effective as and we're maybe we're trying even harder than we were 10 years ago but it's not as effective because we're not being recalibrated we're not right. going to the lord yeah. in prayer and and depending on his strength that's yeah, yeah that's convenient. i mean a lot of times right it's we can want the ministry without the power of the ministry you know or yeah. we we want to be able to do the things that jesus is doing yeah. without getting away and being with the father you know that essentially enables us mm-hmm. to do the ministry he's called us to which you know really you know uh, really says we've got this yeah, yeah exactly. you, know, you, you can you, know, you can take a day off you know holy spirit or you can take a day <laughs> yeah. off in a father and son and spirit uh, we, we've got this on our own we have the skills we have the ingenuity uh, and we never realize how dependent we are and of course you yeah. know many of our friends you know talk about you know we're we're being discipled all the time, whether we're being discipled by the world or discipled by the Father through the Son, you know, and by the Spirit through His Word, 
and, and so we're either being calibrated and taking on the attitudes of the world around us and the values of the world around us or we're having those reshaped and remolded as we pull away and yeah. find ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, it must have been fun. Uh, <laughs> Peter you know, kind of acknowledges it was fun to see, uh, you know, to get a glimpse of the kingdom you know, coming in power. And so whenever Jesus says, many of you will not taste death until you see that, uh, there, there are many places where they have seen the kingdom coming in power. And this is just one glimpse into the future of the radiance you know, of the Son of God uh, and of a beautiful you know, portrait of, of the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you kind of have a little bit of a parallel in the Old Testament of Mount Sinai where mm-hmm. Moses you know, went up on, on the mountain mm-hmm. and, and saw the glory of the Lord. And, and he was you know, transfigured as a reflection of this. Jesus is transfigured in and of his own, own glory. Mm-hmm. And of course, on the Mount Sinai, the law was given. Here, you know, as they go up on this high mountain, uh, you know, the Lord just simply says, or the Father just simply says, "This is my Son. Listen mm-hmm. to Him." And, and so you have a new law. Yeah. You know, yeah, in Jesus. I mean, there's so many Old Testament parallels yeah. in this, and and just as you read the Old Testament, I mean, how many times do we see mountains playing such a vital role in the revelation, you know, from God to His people? Mm-hmm. You see the cloud symbolism again, where yeah. God descends, you know, on the tabernacle. Um, and on the mountain in the Old yeah. Testament in the form of a cloud. And, and so, I mean, we're seeing all this. I, I was reading this today, and it made me think of Psalm 104. Um, I'll just read uh, verse 2. It says, The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. And here you have Jesus, you know, transfigured. And, and he, I mean, it says dazzling white. You know, his clothes are, are white. Right. Like, like, it's the, we're no seeing one could the divinity. even bleach it that white. That's, I love that detail. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. The divinity of Jesus on display. Mm-hmm. And again, we talked about this, uh, I mean, I guess weeks ago now or several days ago. But, um, you know, just uh, here it is again, the voice of, of the Father, mm-hmm. you know, proclaiming over Jesus, this is right. my son. You know, this double affirmation that, that Jesus is you know, who he claims to be. But then I also love the kind of the note, listen to him, and, you know, along with Moses being there, because that's what we have in Deuteronomy where God says, hey, there's a prophet coming like Moses. Well, listen to him. And you must listen to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, recalling all of their resistance of, you know, God through the time in the wilderness and all the resistance of the law and all their hardness of heart and how they had made, you know, the leadership of Moses a very difficult task by challenging him and challenging the Spirit of God in his presence. And he said, you guys make it get away, you know, yeah. doing that, you know, with me. But when the prophet comes, you, you must listen to him. Don't you love the parallels, too, of, like, Israel being the unbelieving, stiff-necked generation, you know, who doesn't listen to Moses? And then here's Jesus. I mean, this glorious display of the transfiguration. He comes down the mountain. And his first comment is, what an unbelieving generation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is exactly the way in Deuteronomy Moses described, you know, that generation. Yeah. And that's exactly what, uh, you know, Jesus is saying. And it even has, uh, you know, how long, you know, can I be with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, that was part of, you know, part of the you know, punishment of the you know, uh, wilderness generation and the later generations this is the with mo- removal of God's presence. And so we have through Jesus, Emmanuel, God, with us, but we have him, you know, contending with our, our unbelief. Yeah. You gotta love, um, just bef- before we leave the mountain, um, just Peter's reaction. Like, this, um, I just can relate to that so much. Like, he's totally 
such a fan <laughs> in that moment. He's like, what, what do I say? Oh, let's, let's just like stay here as long as mm. we possibly can. I want to spend as much time with these men as I possibly can. And I think that's just, you have to love how so Mark, relatable. you know, cause Mark would have received this from Peter. That's how, uh, how the tradition yeah. goes. So I wonder if they're sitting in the room and Peter's like, all right, this is what I said, but let me be honest with you. I didn't know what to say. And Mark records yeah. it, you know, or, or even Mark would say, why in the world did you say he that? Did. Because it, this yeah. is a big mess. Yeah. yeah. You know, what he says is actually a big mess mm. because there is one who is radiant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, let's build, you know, three, you know, three tabernacles. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, you know, let, let's build one. Mm-hmm. There's only one monument you know, to be built here, and that's two. The son in whom God is well pleased, and the son in whom God's spirit dwells, and the son who would redeem, you know, redeem the world. And, and so it's a big mess to say, wow, you're, you're right up there with Moses and Elijah. No, yeah. completely you know, different, you know, different than that. Yeah. And, and, of course, it is that typical, this is what we signed up for, you know, the kind of the youth camp experience. This is mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, if we could just stay here the rest of our mm-hmm. lives, but, but we do have a call you know, to go down mm-hmm. the mountain, to be with the people and to minister and to, you face, know, to the brokenness in, in the yeah. world. Yeah, and to face the disappointments of life too and the frustrating you know, aspects of it, ex- which is exactly what they're faced with as, they, as soon as they get down or what Jesus yeah. is faced with. You, yeah. also, you also have people, you know, they'll ask, why Moses, why Elijah? You know, why were these the guys on the mountain? And several, I mean, it's, people have put forth several reasons why it could be, you know, but you have Moses being kind of the representation of the law and Elijah being the representation of the prophets. And so here it is, the law and the prophets, you know, testifying to, Witnessing to, you know, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, but then you also have, these are just key figures, you know, in Old yeah. Testament history that played a huge part in God's revelation, but also in the, the coming in time, you know, where, yeah. where this kingdom, you know, is going to come. And, and God's renewing all things, and so those are two figures who are pointing us to, to Jesus. And, and that's you know exactly you know where uh, you know where they go with it. They're hearing in the in the back of their minds. They're hearing Malachi, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, where the challenge is is to return with all your heart to the law of Moses, and Elijah will come uh, and restore all things. And so they've seen Elijah, and, and there's a hint you know that things are about to happen. And, of course, Jesus said, Elijah has already come, and they did to him whatever they wanted, which sets him up for you know, exactly what's about to happen to Jesus. They're, I'm not walking into Jerusalem to be you know, received as king. I'm walking in Jerusalem to be rejected and enthroned and on a cross. Yeah. Hmm. If I see myself and anyone in this account, like it's definitely the Father um, because he said he. The father of the son with the of the son. Okay, or the father who said yes, father. yes. I was like, wow, yes. that's, that's a quick jump. I'm I'm more <laughs> like hilarious. Peter, but just get in my mind, okay? Because I'm just assuming that y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes, the father of the son. <laughs> we the were assuming me. you knew what you were talking about. Too. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, uh, I feel like you know, without even thinking about it, he says, if you if you can do this, like please do it. And Jesus catches him and. And really is reveals his heart, which is like, I kind of, I do have doubts because your disciples couldn't do it. So, you know, maybe you can't, I don't know, but if you can do it. And I mean, how many times do I come to the Lord like that with requests that I, yeah, I don't know if fully, if I can trust that he can do it. No, there's the, it's one thing to believe, you know, who God is, the one who's spoken 
uh, the universe into being, who's you know divided uh, the Red Sea, who has raised you know Jesus from the dead, and it, it's easy for us theologically to believe from a distance that He is all powerful, but sometimes it's hard for us to believe personally that His power is available to us mm-hmm. as the ones who are in the Son, with mm-hmm. whom He is well pleased, uh, because we're united with Him. And so it's easy to believe the gospel from afar. Sometimes it's hard to believe the gospel up close when you're facing your own difficulties. Like here's my son Mm -hmm. uh, writhing, you know, uh, in pain uh, on on the floor. And, of course, that includes the Father and us and the disciples uh, all in this unbelieving generation. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, the best response to it is, uh, you know his response. I, I do believe. Mm-hmm. You know, help me overcome my unbelief, and mm-hmm. that ought to be a daily prayer for us. Because there are many, many areas where we're able to believe the gospel, but that we're still resistant to the truth of the gospel and applying the gospel fully, you know, to ourselves and putting our confidence in the gospel to do its work in our in our hearts and lives. So that is uh, one of the uh, most poignant prayers in all of scripture mm. and, and one that you know ought to be the heart of who we are yeah. we have basic convictions and you've proven yourself right but we still have hearts that resist you help us to overcome those hard hearts mm. and we have run right past our time and there's so many other theological things we missed here <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought you would get those in but you didn't uh, uh, I was so trying why don't we uh, why don't we uh, close with a word of prayer once you lead us yeah and get as many theological things in in your prayer as you possibly can <laughs> in a very short period of time. I'll see what I can do. Father, thank you uh, for your grace. Thank you for um, this passage and and just the the incredible view that we get to um, to see of Jesus. Uh, Father, we um, we recognize our our own at times um, false sense of self sufficiency that keeps us from praying. And so, Father, forgive us for that. Um, lead us away from prayerlessness into a more um, fervent and, and intimate prayer life with you. Father, thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you um, that we get to commune with you and enjoy you because of who Jesus is and what he's done, because he didn't stay up on the mountain forever, but went to the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, he set his face towards Jerusalem, knowing what was to come. And, and so, Father, we thank you um, that our salvation um, was accomplished there. And, and Father, we... Um, Thank you again for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the transforming um, effects it it has on our life, even when we don't know it. Um, God, would you continue to use it to accomplish your purposes in us and uh, bring glory to yourself. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.